0: Welcome to Damn Fine Commentary, the internet's only Twin Peaks
1: podcast with a real-life Dave and Lynch. In this series, we'll be reviewing and chatting about each of the 18 parts of Twin Peaks Season 3. So as they say in the Black Lodge...
0: Here we are again. I'm Phil Willis. I'm Nav Prasad. I'm Steve Lynch. And we will be joined shortly by Dave Bluestein, who's going to give us a wrap-up of what we've seen this week.
2: Okay, so we're up to part 10, the sex and violence issue, where bad men punch misguided women to make a point about small town American misogyny, I think. We start in Miriam's mobile home, where Richard Horn is paying her a visit because he knows that she knows that he ran over that kid back in episode 7. Horn beats her to a pulp and leaves the gas on, which is terribly inconsiderate. Meanwhile, Miriam had the foresight to handwrite a letter to the cops because that's far more reliable and traceable than, say, I don't know, email. Uh, Horn rings Chad, remember Chad? Chad, to try and intercept it. We know they're in league with each other because Chad took a bribe to let him smoke in a public bar. Remember, kids, every cigarette is taking you closer to mail fraud. Then we move to the Fat Trout Trailer Park for a lovely musical interlude from Harry Dean Stanton before witnessing cokehead Steve Burnett threatening the crap out of Becky. And then to Vegas for some top shelf violence as Candy the casino waitress tries to whack a fly and ends up whacking Rodney Mitchum in the face instead and spends the rest of the episode crying about it. Dougie finally takes his shirt off for a doctor who pronounces him super physically fit. Apparently, he's only a doctor of pecs, as far as I can tell, leading uh, Janie to realise that for all the coffee and pancakes, she's been missing the beefcake that's been right under her nose the whole time. They make sweet, sweet, floppy, armed love loud enough to wake Sunny Jim. And it's back to Twin Peaks, where Jacoby's radio show is busy draining the swamp with the aid of his gold-plated shit shovels. Nadine loves it so much, she's hung a shovel in the window of a silent drape store. Meanwhile, brother Jerry is still lost in the woods and getting crazier, and Chad, Chad, is so desperate to intercept that letter for Richard Horn that he even chats to Lucy about the weather. He then pulls the most awkward and unsubtle moves to steal Miriam's letter from the mailman and still manages to get away with it. Oh, Lucy. Richard Horn still isn't done. He goes around to his maternal grandmother's house and beats the crap out of her. Actually beats her up as a euphemism. He chokes her, steals her money, threatens to rape her son, his own uncle, and drops the C-bomb. Uncle Johnny can't help because he's been tied to a chair with a creepy teddy rock spin so he can't run into any more walls. America, this is what your president is doing to the healthcare system. Then, big reveal, it turns out Anthony, the dodgy insurance agent, is working for Mr. Todd, who we now know is working for Evil Cooper. He goes to the Mitchum Brothers to dob on Dougie, who they now know is also Mr. Jackpots, in an attempt to get him killed. Albert Rosenfeld, after a super cute dinner date with Constance Talbot, I shall call them Albert Stance, goes to see his boss. But before Gordon Cole can answer the door, he gets a vision of Laura Palmer crying. Albert tells Cole that Diane is talking to Bad Cooper. Then Tammy turns up with a picture of Bad Cooper at the scene of the black box in New York. Ben Horn has an angry phone call with his ex-wife and finally caves to his dinner-based feelings for Beverly. And Hawk and Margaret have another conversation, which is 90% exposition, 10% nonsense, and we go back to the bang-bang bar for a final goodbye song from Rebecca Del Rio, who manages somehow not to get beaten up.
0: Here we are, so far so good. There's a lot of detective work going on this week, I've got to say.
2: Yeah, the, there's, they've, they've put all
3: the pieces in place and some things they're, they're bringing together... At a snail's pace, and others they're not bringing it together at all. So,
1: yeah, I think I said last week that uh, last part was tying a lot of the threads together, but still numb the wiser. I think we're slowly starting to become a little more wise. Yeah. But. You might debate the merits of whether the pace of wisdom is, is cracking right. enough.
3: That's right. It's like if the, the season is one big bag with a drawstring and David Lynch is just like tightening it just ever so slowly, like exactly. almost imperceptibly. Yes, yeah, yeah. just to make sure that there's no cats that jump out of the bag. Yeah.
1: But I guess this episode, there's a few things we'll talk about them that have been confirmed yes. for us, um, which is good. A couple of questions that have been raised, not surprisingly. Um, but delightfully, we actually spent a lot of time in Twin Peaks this week.
3: Yes, we did. We did. Uh, um, less, less delightfully for Miriam. Oh, um, poor old Miriam. Yeah, and uh, and Sylvia and a lot of the other uh, ladies that live in Twin Peaks. But
1: um, yeah, well, I think that's also one of the things. I think this episode we will probably go back to talking about women in peril. Yeah, that's yeah, a theme.
0: absolutely a theme. Uh, this week is yeah, women in peril for sure. And
3: since we started on that, um, I. I even though, obviously, the theme is still there with uh, Richard Horn, What a dickhead he is, mm-hmm. Justin. Oh,
1: that's a very polite of a way of describing it. Yeah, him.
3: well, you know, he dropped the C-bomb. I think we could definitely apply it to him. Yeah, um, But he's, uh, at least from an artistic point of view, I I did like how it stayed wide on the caravan and just sticking to that. I thought that was um, very, very creepy, confronting, but...
1: I, I thought those' yeah. two most notable for a few reasons. one is is the hyper brightness of of the light um and that has been recurring in, in the day shots of Twin Peaks, particularly in the woods, and we see it later on with with Jerry. um We'll come back to Jerry. I also really liked the fact that um as as Richard is confronting Miriam, you see his reflection in the glass yes. door yeah there oh, great. right. There. N- and not dissimilar to d- the reflection of Diane as she's talking into um, bad coop mm. through oh, glass, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and I also really liked that. Um, you know, a few a few episodes ago, particularly at the beginning, we talked a lot about how visually uh, visual the violence was. And I think in this instance, we didn't actually see violence being perpetrated. Our our senses would lead to believe that violence was being perpetrated, and then we were shown afterwards. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
3: heaps yeah. more effective.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think less, less is more in this case. I mean, we've already – there's – well, less is more. There's a, there's a part later on, obviously, where Richard Horn where more is more and we really get to see him amp up the violence. Um, but, yeah, in this case, in terms of plot points, basically um, – Miriam thinks she's protecting herself because she sent a letter off to the sheriff's department. Very, yeah.
3: very lazy way of doing. Oh my your, god! Your what your what a stupid work. woman! It's yeah. like Twin Peaks. We've established is not a huge place. Yeah. Um, so she really probably could have just gone and reported herself.
1: Well, and she told the police, but they hadn't come back to her. Like, what's that about?
3: Yeah, I don't know.
0: Andy's still out there on the road waiting for the guy to meet him in the pickup truck. So yeah. He's
1: Rolex. Yeah.
0: Yes. Um, I tell you what. There's some. Uh, there are some other. There's some musical talent in Twin Peaks. Uh, that's not just confined to the Roadhouse Diner. It turns out that Carl Rod can play the guitar.
3: Yeah, this is a little Dean's something day. he picked up in the White Lodge. Yeah, uh, clearly. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of Red River <laughs> Valley. Yeah, yeah.
1: Which is a beautiful, beautiful, sad, sweet song. And I think that whole scene was, I felt, it felt like it was a very poignant
0: scene. Mm.
1: Right, yeah. Um, and, a, and a moment of poignancy just before we see more violence.
0: Yeah. I didn't even think, I didn't even realise it was a real song. That's like a folk song or something, is it? Yeah. Or, oh, okay. I didn't know.
1: Um, this is completely
3: off topic, but it just popped in my head. I'm going to say, um, what's your, uh, what's, when I say, when you think about Harry Stanton, what's the first role that comes into your mind? Because uh, he was in Alien. The, in that's the, the guy, that's guy I'm thinking of.
0: That's the
1: first yeah. one I would think
3: of as well. The, that was that's my second, and it just amused me that my like, the first thing I think of when I see Harry Dean. Did you ever see that um, uh, a fistful of dollars? The Clint Eastwood. Yeah, 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 So that was as you remember that that was Clint Eastwood going in as the man with no name, just like blowing away dudes mm. on both sides of like yeah. two different gangs. And when that was first screened on uh, television, mm. um, the network needed to work out a way to make it palatable to um, to the the ordinary people out there and like, mm. hmm, how can we make it seem okay that there's this guy going in and they like a, 12 years after the movie was filmed they they shot a guy from behind pretending to be like Clint Eastwood he was like about a foot shorter <laughs> like
1: not, not, <laughs> But Harry uh, uh,
3: Dean Stanton is, like, playing the head of the FBI saying, we need you to go into this town and pretend like you're a bad guy. No, he he was given a mission, basically. Yeah, that's right. He was given a mission by the FBI. It's the shittiest low-budget thing you've ever seen. I've got this
1: on DVD. I'm going to have to go back and see
3: it. Yeah, it's definitely on the Blu-ray, but I'm sure it'll be on YouTube or something as well. Look it up. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton, Fistful of Dollars intro. He's just completely Um, been
0: retconned um, in there.
1: Amazingly bad.
3: Wow, that's amazing.
0: Wow, okay.
1: I mean, the other thing about the car Rod scene is I think um, it's the second time we see a trailer. So I think there's like three trailers this episode. Mm-hmm. I think this is the trailer park episode. Oh, yeah, episode. this is the yeah, trailer
0: yeah. park episode. There's women in peril and then trailer parks. Yeah, everywhere. Um, yes, Now it's, it's Steve and Becky. Uh, I, just, I love
3: Grand. Another douchebag, dead. right? It's like... He it's one thing for the daughter to to just follow the footsteps of the mother and make the same mistakes. But she's actually found the one dude who's... More violent than Leo Johnson, but ugly as fuck. At oh least, yeah. At least Leo Johnson, like a couple of girls, like oh, I can see, like yeah. really, yeah. I, there were a few, a few girls I so I watched the first series with who saw okay. Leo Johnson,
1: like it's obviously okay, he okay, like, holder,
3: yeah. It's like he's, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's because
0: he history. knew how to use a handkerchief, you know. <laughs> this guy, oh god, get oh, but, that oh. filthy snot nose out of my
3: yeah, face, exactly, and a razor. That <laughs> bum fluff moustache just shits you're not me fooling to tears. anybody.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. Look, he um. Again, it's another woman in peril scene, um, and, I, look, to be honest, I actually think part of the point of the Carl Rod scene is just to punctuate or to sort of give yeah. us a break. Because it was one after
3: another. That's to, strange.
1: Exactly. It was quite an assault um, on the audience as well as on the, char- <laughs> on the on the female characters. you know. But, you know, it's so much Leo and Shelley anyone. Like, you know, she can't keep house, she doesn't earn enough money, they can't afford their home. Um, but he does ask, he says to, um, I almost called her Shelley, he says to Becky, I know what you did. Oh, see, I didn't pick
3: up that.
0: I watched it twice. I didn't... I didn't. Yeah, no. Well, I, if I, I, I it went up, back I a
1: third or, and a fourth time just to make sure.
3: And we think he means something more than throwing a red coffee mug out the window.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, if he has to make a point of saying, I know, I know that you threw you. that out when they're both in a four-by-four four trailer, mm.
3: yeah. <laughs> it's well, hardly notable. he is a stupid man, but but you're right, if he's... The, that, that does sound like there's an there's an extra level of mystery there. Well,
1: because I think, and I can't remember if it was before it was definitely before we went on air, but we were talking about you know this particular scene doesn't really actually advance anything. Was it advance? We know about these characters. Does it advance their nature of the relationship? Does it advance anything in terms of the broader plot? And I think without that line, you'd be absolutely right. It doesn't do anything because we've established that this guy's a bit of a douche mm. anyway. Yeah. Um
0: I guess now he's a violent
1: douche. But I, I I do think that there is something in this well, what did she do? Anyway, I'm asking myself, what is it that Becky has done?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Mm. Thoughts? Hit us up on Twitter.
0: Yeah, exactly. We'll get to uh, we'll get to some of the very specific stuff that uh that some of our friends on Twitter and Facebook have come up with. Uh, look, it wasn't just uh blokes hitting women, <laughs> uh also <laughs> there were women hitting blokes. Yeah we, we cut across to Las Vegas and Candy and one of the Mitchums, uh Candy is one of the three hostesses that sort of sort of uh in in the
1: scene where the Mitchum the pink showgirls. Oh yeah. the pink <laughs> show, girls. Well, they're, they're probably not show girls. Yeah, where
0: they're they, in the scene where the two Mitchum guys are just uh beating up the casino manager, they're just there looking at their nails, yep. just not doing anything completely unfazed by this. So Candy's along with Mandy and Sandy. Sandy. Mm-hmm. Uh Candy Looking to swat a fly, actually swats Mister Mitchum, and he's got a big cut over his eye and stuff and like that. That
3: scene took two more than two minutes. Yeah, from just from start, just pure silence as she was going, and you knew exactly where it was going. Oh, of course, but every second was delectable.
1: So it's oh. something, and we I went, I went back and listened to at least the first couple of podcasts that we recorded, mm. and one of the things that Lynchy, I think you would, or one of us was talking about how David Lynch really seems to have down pat holding a scene Ooh. for just a fraction too long just to make you feel uncomfortable yeah. Yeah. and you know the Green Onion scene I think uh, from a couple of parts <laughs> ago was yeah. about two minutes I think it's about yeah. two minutes and twelve seconds it's probably just yeah. that little bit too uncomfortable this is probably about the same yeah. I would yeah.
0: say yeah Yeah.
1: Um, so and yeah.
0: It, it, it's it's because we've already seen already in this thing we've already seen someone get killed we've already seen some domestic violence we're waiting for something to happen we know that He's willing to go there, mm. and we just have to figure out what the hell's going on. And once he does get clocked by Candy, what's his response? Is he also going to go ape shit and go crazy? Or uh, I or think what? there's,
1: I think there's an element of that, but I also think there's an element of, in this instance, we all know how this scene is going to end. Like it's a classic slapstick yeah. kind of yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Um, and, but there is a case of, as you said, Steve, like just drawing things out and delaying the gratification that comes with going. Oh yeah, there she's there. Yeah. You go. Yeah, it's happened.
3: I feel like maybe it, it serves a slight purpose as well in that uh, the way that the Mitchum brothers had been set up, the only time we saw them before, they were like total badass mobster Vegas guys, yeah, yeah. and in this uh, episode, they are that. They appear to be that, but they seem to be a bit uh, a pair of doofuses themselves. Yeah, yeah. and so it's really yeah, showing. That okay, we've we've they've they've got an appearance, but they're not necessarily gonna um, gonna live up to that appearance. They're not gonna be the big bad boogeyman. They're gonna try and throw their weight around, but um, I,
1: they're I, somewhat I, slightly inept. Yeah, as well.
3: I don't think I, I think Dougie Jones, that Cobra of a man, is not <laughs> a <good laughs> problem with them when they um, yeah they seem, set up their meeting, as we find out.
0: There, they seem like goons. They're not psychotics. Like they're not they're no red they know no, they know uh, richard horn I mean, they're they're capable mm. of violence, and they're big tough guys that want to throw their weight around. But they don't seem like they're psychotic. They just seem like a bunch of dumb.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, later on down when they in the episode when they cancel the hit on Ike and it's like saves us money, they're like nice and do the air I like these guys are lovable. They're like the Leyland brothers.
0: Yeah, that's right. They thought, oh, that'll save us a bit of cash. That'll save us a whack of cash. A whack of cash, exactly. Ike finally stepped on his dick.
1: Anyway, I guess look, you know, Candy becomes hysterical after she has assaulted her i guess ray is her guy um to some extent um and it's a disproportionate amount of hysteria which certainly plays (laughs) out in the next time we see her yeah but also just
3: that he was like so lovely about it he's like
1: no no it's it's fine it's fine
3: and you know his brother's hugging him and she sees (laughs) again and it's like no no no,
1: yeah i've got a slightly different take on that but i think maybe i'll save talking about that till the next time we talk oh, okay. about these guys. Mm-hmm. The
0: other big reveal, I guess, is that uh, they're watching TV. Is this where they're watching TV? And they actually realise it was either this scene or the next no, scene. No, that comes, that comes oh, a bit later. So. That's right. No, we, back, we go, go to Doug, Dougie. Finally, someone
3: has taken Dougie to a doctor.
0: Oh, yeah. how
1: long has it taken? It's only taken like five or six, ep- six episodes?
3: Well, when the doctor basically just rolls with the punches as much as everyone
1: does. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, to be fair, like when Dougie, ta- Dougie Coop takes his shirt off,
3: it's yeah. hot. You were rolling with those Oh my too. God. Yeah, I was. Right. Yeah.
1: Anyway. He's lean. And
3: especially when he gets the uh, the blood pressure, it gives him like the epic vein. <laughs> I, I know. That's 110
1: wow. over 70.
3: So,
0: yeah. yeah. Nailed it.
1: <laughs> but um, look, as you said, you know, it, he's clear, clearly he and Janie E., as we see. And this, mm. this scene was beautifully played by Naomi Watts. Yeah. There's a real sort of subtlety in the way that her interest is peaked, mm. no pun intended, um, once she realises that her once overweight flabby loser of a husband actually is
0: number one is rich number two he moves like a cobra
1: yeah, yeah. he moves get, like a cobra and he looks like a stallion i guess yeah silent tap Exhausted. exactly <laughs>
0: exactly so uh, yeah one thing leads to another and um Poor old Sonny Jim is terrorised by hearing his parents fuck I in the know, other room.
1: No, but a few things say... happen. A few things happen before then. Though. Do oh, they? What else happens before then? He <laughs> eats some cake. <laughs> <laughs> Do you <laughs> not think that's hilarious? Like, I seriously, <coughs> there, there she is, Naomi Watts, sitting on a wooden chair. Yeah, her back is to the wall. She's moving, and I'm actually demonstrating this. I don't know why, <laughs> why I'm doing it because this it's
0: this doesn't make any sense. But, to the radio, yes, but anyway, she's
1: right. moving around the chair. She's touching herself in parts that she's allowed like, to it touch. Now, stop it. <laughs> <that. laughs> You know, really sort of doing the whole seductive thing. Meanwhile, she talks about how she's is Dougie attracted to her, she's attracted to him. Meanwhile, Dougie is shoveling chocolate cake down <laughs> his throat like a toddler.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and he can't even hold a book properly. Yeah.
3: yeah. Oh, it's great. I love and it. And then skipping to the next thing, can I say that I it's probably a close second after the appearance of Wally Brando and the word Caucasians, <laughs> but Dougie Jones's fuck arms.
1: Slapping. <laughs> My favourite thing ever <laughs> just, just. yeah, Steve's <laughs> now the, demonstrating just, for us just as well
3: She's yeah. like a walrus Just kind of like flat, flat
1: so, oh, And boy, he's, he's
0: ridiculous post-coital face as well I is. know, yeah, it's great.
1: I know. She's, Actually that's, that seems really interesting it's, it's the first time this episode that we actually hear some music So as the camera's panning across the red bedspread um, It's the first time we hear music The rest of it has been foley up until now Oh right okay. Mm. Um, but yeah, poor old Sonny Jim He's getting yeah. scarred.
3: Look, some people think he's from another world. Um, so far, I'm thinking he's he is a real human. But either way, that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I,
1: I don't. I don't know what's worse: walking in on your parents doing it, or just hearing your mother.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The big
1: O. Yeah. Correct.
0: Yeah. The big Dougie. Dougie. Dougie.
1: But did we? Um. We kind of did jump a, a jump to Dougie and Janie. You know engage in conjugal activities with good reason but we probably should just quickly talk about going back to the Mitchums and because I think we were talking about the Ike you know stepped on his dick the the two show I just want to talk about the other two the two show girls and I want to talk about Candy so in particular so Candy's response to this you know whacking Ray or uh, Rodney with um I keep calling him Ray but Rodney with the remote control is highly disproportionate, and she she says to Rodney, "You know, can you still love me after what I did to you?" And Rodney sort of says, "Yes, yes, yes, yes." But it makes me sort of wonder what is this woman's backstory? Why is she so frightened
0: that someone can take love away from her? That's or, exactly yeah. right. So
1: again, I think it's a probably another woman in peril thing. I don't necessarily think we're going to get an answer to it, but uh, I, I think and she's and actually the, the actress who plays Candy is the only one who's in the. The, the cast list that was released before the season started. Oh, okay. Right. So I, I think she's got a, I don't know, she's got an interesting backstory. I'm not entirely, I, I, I think we might see a little bit more of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't doubt it. I think later also in the episode, the two, you know, when she's taking forever to actually get Anthony up into the control room, he's saying like, why don't you just let her go, for God's sake. This is like, dude, she's got nowhere else to go. Yeah. So I think they, they also know that she's
1: damaged goods. Damaged, yeah. Yep. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, so far i'm uh, if if I was a betting man i 'd say uh, i 'd be in vegas um, and be saying that mr jackpot i read mr jackpot's, re- jackpots four hundred and twenty seven thousand worth uh no i yeah i just i think she's uh, eye candy pardon the pardon that, that, that <laughs> she's that she 's going to be the comedy relief of the the Vegas version of lucy she 's going to do a few ditzy things um I, if if there's
1: more to it, then great. Yeah,
3: I'm not so
0: sure, but we'll see. We'll yeah, see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we get to see Jacoby again, back uh, on the small yeah. screen in another
1: trailer.
0: Yeah. Oh yes, God, <laughs> let the trailers roll on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, but of course, her his number one fan Nadine. We see now. I didn't pick this up first go round. You reckon she's she's got her own store she now? Right? Yeah, she
1: she's does. totally got a store. She's she got Run Silent, Run Drapes. She's
3: even punned the name. I mean, it's I a bad pun. It's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. like, but you know, she's already <laughs> up against it with what she's selling, so she <laughs> may as well <laughs> yeah, do exactly. it even more.
0: Exactly. Do you think she's selling the shovels as well as the drapes? Or no,
1: I no, feel like that's
3: just the trophy. That's the glory. Yeah. Oh, that's like the
0: like, oh, I think that's out.
1: basically yeah. That she's she's bought it because she's bought into Jacoby. But it has the dual purpose of demonstrating just how amazing her drapes are. Now you see it, now you don't kind wow. of thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that the, that shovel in the window was illuminated like it was some kind of holy relic. Yes. Mm. Um, which uh, is kind of backed up with uh, the way that she looks at him so dreamily on that mm. computer screen. and says, you're so beautiful.
0: I love the way that these guys have got this weird view of the world that the government's out to screw us all and they're putting chemicals in our water and did all this sort of I'm stuff. Totally she's She's got a one-eyed view of the world, literally. Uh, and he's looking at the world through a different lens as well. Like, he's mm. got his own thing there. Both of these people are sight-impaired um, <laughs> and, and they don't understand why people won't just wake up and open their eyes and see the world as it really is.
1: I also, I also <laughs> totally love, you know, she's totally bought into Jacobi's message and, and this particular rant and he's really worked up. Like, the spittle and sweat flying. You know, he's ranting about people being shorn of their wool and there's pharmaceutical <laughs> company conspiracies, the government owns the mortuaries. Um, meanwhile, Nadine's sucking on a protein shake. Like, if that's not, like, the biggest, you know, wool over the eyes of yeah, the last right. sort of, 10 or 15 years, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I just realised, um, do you re- do you know that um, – so, you know, this is the reference to Alex Jones, this sort of this crazy conspiracy talk show hosted uh, in the United States. Yeah. David Lynch has appeared as a guest on Alex Jones before. Has he really? Really? Because David um, David Lynch at some point made an oblique comment about the causes of September 11 um, or something like that. And I don't think he really believes in it. I just think he was asking the question, there's so much information we don't know. Why don't we know more about this stuff? Mm. Then he gets onto Alex Jones' talk show. show podcast talk show whatever it's whatever it is and they have like a full like 35 minute interview with the pair of them okay. and they both talk really lucidly like a lot about a lot of things transcendental meditation and stuff we'll put the um we'll put
1: the p shot jfk
0: there's all sorts of stuff in there there's all sorts of stuff i mean alex tries to draw him and and david lynch won't be drawn on 9/11 was a conspiracy and all that sort of stuff but he does i think she do have a lucid conversation for uh, yeah, for wow. thirty five. So, I guess so what you're saying artist...
1: is you're just assuming that all conspiracy conspiracy theorists are like incoherent. Like Alex Jones is pretty apprentice. incoherent. Pretty guy. Yeah, I know, I know.
0: So um, yeah, so anyway, I'll put the link to that up on the up on the website. You can visit the website at daveandlynch.com dot com forward slash part ten. Part ten. Can you believe it? Part ten. Part p a r t. The number ten. Um, yeah. So that'll be up there along with any of the other links of the things that we mentioned uh, on the show.
1: Jerry's in the woods. He's oh, still in God. the damn woods, man. There's so he's, little
3: he's going on there, I didn't even
1: write defeated this down. He's
3: his foot. Um, and now he's fighting just the world in general well, with his phone and. Yeah.
1: The world can't fool him, and he's been here before. Yeah. Um, is, is
0: there anything else we can said? No, no, no. I
1: just, just wanted, because I think, you know, we saw Jerry in the woods last part, and I suspect that maybe, again, you know, time does not pass in a conventional fashion in this show. Um, I wonder if this this sequence of scenes with Jerry is actually just in the course of a day. Two hours, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally two hours, exactly.
3: I I think that maybe he'll. I I reckon next next episode will be the one where they go into the woods and they'll probably run into him there. What, thirty seven yards or two hundred yards east of
0: oh rabbit Jack Rabbit's Palace, yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe we've got to be coming close, right? Because the dates are. 1st of October to 2nd of October, so...
3: And they said last episode that it was two days' time and it was a trope of the first season of Twin Peaks that every episode was one day. Yes, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: and then, so what, what was the date, though, um, that um, Bill Hastings put uh, on Yeah, that,
1: right? that's right. So when Bill Hastings signed the the his ID of Major Briggs,
3: yeah.
1: um, he dated it 9 slash 29, which is ninth 29th of September. Oh, yeah,
3: yeah, 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 yeah okay. So definitely, yes. Yeah. So we're now one day away
1: from that. Yes. Hopefully, Hopefully. yeah. Too early. Mm. Although one day doesn't necessarily suggest that it's going to happen in the next part.
0: No. No, other than historically that seems to kind of match up with... And, yeah. I'm not and
3: even... in this, this episode they did talk about uh, Ike's uh, assassination attempt and that, was, that had happened yesterday. Um, yeah, okay. that's,
1: and actually, I think the other clue, and I haven't looked into it too deeply, is obviously when um, Rodney Mitchum is watching the news, they go into the weather, and it's a seven-day weather forecast, and I think it starts on a Thursday.
0: Oh, oh I didn't I even pay attention to that.
1: So, as I said, I'm making up that it started on a Thursday, but there was definitely a seven-day weather yeah, forecast. Yeah, yeah, uh, And I think that, I haven't spent a lot of time on the internet this week. Uh, as I said last week, I'm sort of finding that it's sort of taking away some of the joy of, of just watching these things unfold, but... Um, there's been some talk about what year is this actually set in and there's sort of discussions, yeah. whether it's 15, 16 or 16.
3: I think it's definitely 15 um, because the Welcome to the Zone website. Um, it's 15? La- yeah, yeah, the last, last entries are yeah. uh, 15. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. and as from like a week and a half after, like so late November 2015, someone says, where are you guys? So the, yeah, okay. the visitor book indicates that right, they right.
0: back after. Yeah. Yeah. nice um, the other one thing I would sort of point out from the original Twin Peaks series is that we can't you can't read too much forensically into this stuff is that there used to be you know they have these sort of like um, transition shots and there'd be an owl flying across the face of the moon yeah. or yeah. a shot of the moon in the trees um, there are some internet nerds that have gone back and tried to look at the timeline and realise that. Hang on, the moon shouldn't be in that phase in the crescent phase. Yeah. because If, it, if yeah, that was yeah. only two days after, it was it was a three quarter moon. Only two days before, like so. Even like even looking at things like the weather forecast and stuff, I wouldn't put too much trust in that. Only just because they've been wrong on that before.
1: I'm not suggesting that you go back and say, "Oh well, you know, they said on this day the sun was shining, and actually, really, it didn't shine." It was I'm just yeah. saying, is I think it's just trying to set a sense yes. of yeah, what yeah. day of the week right. we're talking about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All um, right, let's get to some really interesting stuff.
1: Like Chad. Oh.
0: It's time for a bearded...
3: We're going down, down, down to oh, uh, Chad Town.
0: What a fucking
3: Chad. Well, I think he
0: deserves Chad, another donut.
1: When Chad oh, can't, can't even day.
3: fool Lucy...
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, no. Well, that's, that's your take on it. I actually think this is Lucy coming back to her absolute best. Yeah. So I've been quite frustrated by, by Lucy's character and I think I might have even said in part three of our podcast... That I felt that her character had not had been written in such a way that didn't suggest that she had grown in 25 years because of the desire to hold on to this, sort of this crazy, adorable, ditziness that she had as a 25 or you know 26 year old in, in seasons one and two. But I think this time she's actually we see the Lucy of old, but mm-hmm. we just see her as an old woman. And I actually think this is the first time it's been nailed properly. Yeah. 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 I was being me,
3: but that's because
1: it's yeah. fucking Chad. Yeah. yeah.
0: What was Lucy's name before she was married? Moran. Oh, Bran. right. So this is the first time I've noticed that her name tag is actually Lucy Brennan on her. Yeah, on her yeah, name yeah. Thing. yeah, yeah. It's yeah, probably yeah. been like that for, since episode 197. It has been.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Also, I, the one thing I noticed was just how big the receptionist sign is compared to It's <laughs> like, is it possible that there's another receptionist that's not Lucy? And yeah. that is just like she comes in for her shift Pops her, her name oh, maybe, down. I like, That's the only time we ever visit the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Office. Oh, she yeah. seems
1: to be there all the time. Well, certainly yeah. in in, part, in seasons one and two, she was there all the time, anytime. Yeah, day, day or night, night. yeah. Exactly. exactly. You know, she's when Chad patronizes her uh, and says, Oh, well, I bet you and Andy wake up every morning and say what a beautiful morning it is. And she is just so charmingly literal. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yep. Yeah, that well, was great. you know,
1: sometimes there's no time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, but then Chad goes out for his ninja mission. of <laughs> oh, stopping what oh. post when he when he was flicking through the the letters, the first thing I noticed was that the sheriff's department is on Main Street. The sheriff's office oh. the, the, when she's addressed the letter, Main Street. Now there is no properties on either side of the sheriff's. <laughs> Our earth could be Main
1: and Street. There's
3: nothing on the other side. Isn't it kind of at the foot there. of the hill? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's it's. It, it ain't no Main Street well, when, when I was there The other
1: thing sure. that's interesting And I, I'm not going to read anything into it I'm just going to point it out Is that the letter that Chad pilfers From the from the pile of mail Is written by Miriam Hodges uh, um, Miriam that The Miriam that was killed In the beginning of the episode Is actually credited as Miriam Sullivan <gasps>
3: What? Oh, oh he's, he's, he's fucked it. it He's fucked it <laughs> He's
0: got the wrong Miriam letter Oh that is genius That's great you just earned the most valuable player yeah, a, a totally. award of the entire totally. podcast.
1: It had to have been Troy. Wow! Be wow. <laughs> <laughs> Your little highlighting
0: of every no, seriously, character. Seriously, Carl I've and I've had some
1: utter bimbo moments in the last ten well, parts. Awesome. So, uh, I
0: my I jaw's still on the on the table. That is phenomenal. He's picked the wrong Miriam. Brilliant! What a Chad! <laughs> 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 oh God, that's hilarious! All right. Well, so that means we might still have a letter that explains it all. Oh, that's great! Yeah. Mm. Because why would you put a letter out there and then not have it arrive? Of course, that's exactly... Oh, wow. Yes, internet, you heard it first. The letter that Chad picked up is not really Miriam's letter. It's a different Miriam. <laughs> I don't think that anyone I else also, in the internet would have picked that up. I, guaranteed. Well, I
1: also don't know because um, Miriam says to Richard, I sent them a letter today. Yeah. And clearly we're in the same day. Yeah. Like, things move slowly in Twin Peaks. I'm pretty sure that even the US Postal Service does not move. Within the day. Yeah? Mm. Oh,
0: I think you've got it. I think you've nailed it. That's going to be a great point, a great twist that comes a bit later on. That's going to be fantastic.
1: Well, we'll see. We'll see. Let's not make any.
0: It's almost as exciting as Richard Horne robbing his grandma. Uh-huh.
1: Oh my God. Sylvia,
3: please.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't laugh about this scene because it's, it's actually. Oh, this is terrifying, yeah. bona fide. But honestly. I- but, uh, oh, <coughs> no, no, just, no, you go, go, well, go. I was just going to say,
3: Johnny's not dead, so yeah, Yes, or, oh, yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. I thought you guys were jumping the gun a bit last week to say that Johnny was dead. I was thinking that everything that we know from Twin Peaks, when people bash their head against things, they,
3: they tend to pop out the other side. Including the finale with Ben Horn. So. Ben Horn's done it before, him. yeah. I
1: mean, yeah. Cooper's banged his head yeah. into um, a
3: mirror. But no, Johnny's alive. Uh, and it seems that we now have confirmation that, yes... Richard Dipshit Horn is Audrey's son.
1: Well, no, we don't.
3: Well, he calls a grandmaster. So That's true. There's no, right. other, That's right. That's no right. other Horn That's right. siblings that I'm aware Could of. Could be Johnny's son.
1: Well, this is true. That's his
3: dad, he's like, I'm going to cornhole him over there. <laughs>
1: I was, I was actually being very oh, precise God. because yeah. what we know is that Sylvie's his grandmother, but that's all we actually we just extrapolate that it's Audrey's.
0: Yeah, it's got to be. I think we're I think we're down to it. Um, a, yeah. uh, look from our um, our Facebook fans, Sonia H uh, on Facebook. I love like hey, Sonia. Sonia. Oh. Um, yeah, definitely had the theory that uh, yeah, this scene above all others is pretty much confirming that Richard Horn's mum is Audrey. Surely. Yep.
1: Yep. I'm yeah, I'm with you, Sonia. I am too, to be fair, despite my being very pedantic about it.
3: Um, but obviously, the question still remains: Who is his father? And yes, frankly, if if it is Audrey's child, then that that increases the chance of it being bad coot because yeah. you know fifty percent scumbag. Yeah, in the, in the DNA.
1: Yeah. yeah,
3: and that's not Audrey's side. No, 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 no. That yes,
0: clear. That's, that's the dad, sorry. Um Oh go there's, on. A, there's
1: actually a lot to talk about this scene. Again, it's another woman in peril scene. It's a very different presentation of, of violence. So, um, you know, because you've got this juxtaposition of a, a quite a, a sort of almost melodramatic nineteen thirties kind of soundtrack that's underneath. You've yes. got the comedy of the teddy bear with the, with the fishbowl on its head saying, "Hello, Johnny, how are you today?" Meanwhile, this this awful violence is being you know perpetrated against. An elderly woman and her and her disabled son, mm. effectively. So I feel that some of the choices that were made around soundtrack and and the sort of you know, the, the teddy bear and all the rest of it, to try and sort of soften the blow of some of the violence, yes, just yeah. to because we have had such an assault yeah. to date.
0: To me, the closest thing it reminded me of was the scene. Um, where the drugs in Clockwork Orange, where the drugs break yeah. into mm. the author's house, yeah, yeah. Um, and the the soundtrack is singing in the rain, singing in the rain. So this is bright, upbeat, um, yeah, you're quite right, uh, kind of soundtrack. And then the most despicable, you know, acts of violence and savagery, uh, just you know, shown to us. Um, it it seems like it was the same type of thing where you yeah. juxtapose the music with the action.
3: Because when you notice that as well, then it it gives an extra level of the horror of it. So yeah. yes, that's I right. don't know about you guys, but the the teddy bear t- saying "hello, Johnny" over and over again, I tuned that out, and then when I, I tuned it back in, I was like, "Oh man, that's still going. That's that's yeah. really yeah. freaky." Yeah. Just sort of adding that that thing that Twin Peaks does so well of taking something that's just a bit normal, a bit domestic Mm. um, and having violence or horror happening around it.
1: Yeah, and you know it's it, you know clearly they're on a housing they live on a housing estate or a community of some sort because um, we know that there's a, a concierge or a gatekeeper or someone who announces that that you know yeah. your grandson is driving a through gated community. So I guess I guess estate. I guess it's the horror of you know sort of violence in suburbia, which is a yeah. theme that Lynch sort of visits a number of times yeah. during the course of his work. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Um, to say nothing of the fact that they've got Johnny Horn fucking tied
3: up. <laughs> Like, that was, I mean, obviously... Well, he's a danger he, to himself. He's a danger it? to himself, but to you it was a bit upsetting to see him just, like, restrained and just, like, oh, well, that's happened even before the psychos come into their house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, I
1: think that's possible because he was, like, a uh, psycho the week of the day. Yeah, before.
0: the, um... I've got to say that, I mean, like, again, like, all this crazy outrageous violence it's so shocking and you've got these moments of just hilarity where once Johnny his chair tips over he finally thinks oh I might be free again and then he starts like running on the ground as yeah, if he was running his yeah, legs yeah. are pumping yeah. away. But I
1: think that makes you check you know sort of check yourself you know you sort of realise that you know I'm laughing at something that's actually really actually quite weird. Yes, mm-hmm. Yes, yes. You know, am I a bad I'm not, am I a bad person that sounds like Yes I am like a bad person that's but, clearly But you
0: know um, yeah, no, that yeah it's But it's the same thing, like when we've seen it all in um, Blue Velvet and all those types of things where there are some hilarious things that Frank Booth, the antagonist uh, in Blue Velvet, gets away with. Some stuff that's just absolutely hilarious. Uh, And then there's some stuff which is downright psychotic. Um, So, yeah, yeah. If there's anyone that can mix them successfully and trod that line, it's David Lynch.
3: Don't know about uh, Richard Horn's choice of like just when he's when he's making his exit, just <laughs> through, <laughs> like just drop the C bomb, like for no like no real effect. You've already, you've already done it. You've already, <laughs> you've already scared everyone. Uh, it's just a little bit of throwing your toys at that stage. Yes, I, I should say that in Australia we've got a much more relaxed relationship with. Then uh, perhaps the United States. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not
1: really to other countries, right? So, like in countries like Ireland, it's Ireland actually it, just part of the. Yeah, like... that's,
3: yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So
0: um... the um, yeah, it definitely is, and I feel like America. We've seen it in uh, Game of Thrones, and also to a degree in Sopranos and The Wire, and I think is this the first song we've seen
1: in Twin Peaks? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Okay, but I, I feel like Americans are trying it on. I feel like Americans We're have seen it on the size, a, yeah. Just see, it like, oh, see how this fits, and I mean, like. I've got um, when I was working uh, in the building industry, there were some people that like that was every second word, and that did not. It, it was not. A, it was not a thing. It was just something you said, um, depending on how you're raised and how you are. Like some people say it, some people don't. Um, but yeah, to see it on American TV still seems shocking to us. Imagine how shocking that is for an American uh, audience, yeah. where, where you don't tend to hear
3: that sort of language. So, but ironically, thought, I... still spoken by an Australian. Yeah. Um, oh, Richard is an Australian And Australian with an
1: Irish name. Yeah, Eamon Farron. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, look,
3: he's just over here.
1: I was. I just wasn't particularly convinced by the delivery of it, quite no. frankly, or the placement of it. So you know, had he sort of said it earlier on in his assault on on Sylvia? Where would
0: um,
1: you place the c- Oh <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's an interesting it's question. Shock with
0: your first offer? Go in early. I
1: think. Yeah, I think yeah. go in early. Go
0: in early. Go in early, and save the cocksucker for last.
1: Totally.
0: Yeah. Totally. Why did to, she have to make it so hard?
1: I love how this is the
0: psychotic mindset is that they've just done this unspeakable act of savagery and violence and terror um, and theft. And then they have to say like, oh, come on, bitch, why'd you have to make it so hard? You didn't have to. Why, yeah. why are you going to do that for it? Like, it's completely. Gaslighting
3: 101. Yeah, for it. exactly. Yeah. It's just
0: the complete justification of, well, I wouldn't have had to hit you if you'd actually just given me the cash in the first place. Like, this kind of weird twisted logic of the psychotic. Also the little
3: prick took her knives and forks.
1: So, <laughs> and, a handbag. and a hand. Oh, seriously, if you're gonna choose a get getaway receptacle, oh, that's pretty conspicuous if he's gonna be like driving with a handbag on the passenger seat, of the car.
3: That's true. True. At least he didn't take Johnny's teddy bear, that would just be a, oh, that'd be that'd be a prick act. Yeah yeah.
1: And how weird was that teddy bear?
3: Yeah. That was a weird teddy
0: bear. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Well, we should move along. Let's go
1: back to Vegas.
0: Yeah. Look, I want to just very skip quickly skip through. Um, Duncan Todd tries to get fire up Anthony to Anthony mm. from the Lucky Seven Insurance Agency, yeah. the crooked mm. um, insurance dude, to try and fire up the Mitchens so that the Mitchums might be convinced to kill Dougie. Like that, somehow Dougie put the kibosh on their insurance claim. Um, we'll we'll see if that works or it well, doesn't. Well, because Duncan
1: Todd's got to do what he's got to do. He's got to do if what, the what he's Bad got to do. calls him again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, he picks the most circuitous, long way around when if he's got Cooper who's going to call in two days, he'd better get the job done himself, I think. He needs to get his hands dirty.
3: Yeah. I I also... Was I reading this wrong? He said to Anthony Sinclair, uh, we've got to pin on Dougie Jones the $30 million claim that we conspired to yeah. deny them. Yes. So, if... So how was it that Anthony Sinclair wasn't going to get hit, wasn't going to get whacked by if if he was involved in something that? So he clearly sold these guys their insurance policy. The casino burns down. Yeah. Now they're getting denied, but he was actually working to allow them to actually have that money.
0: Yeah, um, to, I don't. I don't that understand that either because like like yeah, he was. Ago. He was saying that yeah, it yeah. was arson. It was. I mean, it wasn't. It was not arson. It's been yeah. cleared of arson. Yeah.
3: yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know I didn't get that bit Maybe Maybe it'll become clearer
1: But I guess You know uh, I think last episode Phil you were saying That you know Dougie Coop Has Someone is is, You know there's an angel On his shoulder Because he's escaped death At least three times now Yeah yeah right Um, And I think there's probably going to be, there'll be a fourth time that he escapes death, thanks to the little green flashes that were appearing on those case files mm. yeah how many parts ago that actually allowed Bushnell Mullins to become aware that there is something not quite right with the mitchum's insurance claim yeah
3: yeah mr todd his his gang of his gang of assassins as some dudes in a car, um, one very very talented uh person of small stature yeah. Uh, And an insurance guy. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, he needs to step up his game. um, Yeah, and and Roger, who just seems to come in for like 30 seconds, deliver a message and go back out again. Yeah.
0: You picked it last week. Albert Rosenfeld was not in the bathroom. He actually was sweet talking. Yeah. Constance.
1: Hottest power couple in uh, in the FBI. Yeah, loving it. (laughs) Yeah, it's yeah. really cute. And actually, after everything that we have seen to date in this episode, thank God there was just something that was made you think that maybe there's some good in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> and of course, back in 1990, I don't know if the idea of Albert Rosenfeld sharing his worldview was what, <laughs> what, would, what would convince you there's something good in the world. But we've all mellowed. We love it. Um, I would like to. I'd like to think that the the bits where they were talking and. He, she was laughing at his stories. He was like, and then I said, wolf. I <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: just hope. I can only hope. Oh, that's really cute. But how pervy is Gordon Cole? So Denise Bryson warned Cole about Tammy Preston. Yeah. And um, we sort of see that uh, you know, while Cole is watching this beautiful scene unfold between Albert and Constance, he's beckoning to Tammy and he uses it as an excuse to get his arm around yeah. the waist. He gets a bit handsy. <laughs> he does. He, yeah.
3: I'm thinking that's like David Lynch just escorting her out of shots. So, okay, Christy, you tried to act in All this right, scene, but sweetheart. you failed. Uh, um, yeah. This is stage left over here. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Just uh, everyone listening to this, just watch that scene one more time and just watch Christabel's eyebrows as she tries to act. It's like, oh, that's exactly how you don't act. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh. Just, every, every instinct she has is wrong.
1: Yeah, still not convinced by her.
3: But uh, what happens?
0: Well, let me go back to Gordon Cole's apartment where he's sitting down drinking red wine and drawing cartoons like... <laughs> he's
3: doing it like Reg Mombasa okay.
0: cartoons yeah. with a Sharpie.
1: Have you been on the internet this week? I
3: have, yes. Is
1: there anything about the um, the sketch? The deer, I, the deer dog. I or?
3: saw one very interesting theory, yes, um, that it is a spotted elk. Um,
1: oh. It's oh, an elk right with
3: dots on it. But there is, no, there is no such thing as a spotted elk. Oh. However, there was a person called spotted elk.
1: Spotted oh. elk
3: was a Sioux Indian. Yep. Yep. And the Sioux Indians were from South Dakota. Spotted uh, elk yep. lived and died almost, I don't know if we'd say exactly at, but very, very, very close to the coordinates that were on the website of Welcome to the Zone. Right. Cass that was Spit, South Dakota or whatever it's called. Yeah, right. Spearfish or
1: something. Spearfish. Yeah. Spearfish.
3: Jackrabbit. So, look, that's only one and theory. the hand? Um, the hand, I don't know. I, I thought it looked a lot like Bob's hand as he comes out of the Black Lodge. That was my first thought. But mm. then another thought is just, well, what is it? It's the arm. Yeah. Well, yeah,
1: that's, right. that's kind of where I would be going if. You would apply that out.
0: We're looking at the picture now, and uh, we'll put the picture up on the website so you can have a look. Lynch dot com. Um, yeah, except it's, it seems like it's the right arm. Unless the picture's been flipped, I don't know.
1: No, no, no it definitely hasn't been flipped. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. maybe, Anyway, uh,
0: or it could just be Lynch just drawing and yeah, it could just be any old Um
1: Well, no, I, I think that um, the the camera actually does zero in on, on the it doodles, does, yeah. and I think that's done with intent. Yeah. yeah.
0: So Do the horns look like trees? Are they like, they're two trees? They
1: are like trees, yeah.
3: Mm. Which, so does the arm. Evolution of the arm. Yeah. Um, also, there's two horns. Two horns. Yeah, two horns, mm. Ben and Jerry. Yeah. Um, in fact,
0: they split and they split and they've got multiple generations of horns. There's horns growing out of the yeah. horns. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. We anyway, so I this. think,
1: I, anyway, I, I think there's a purpose to that um, doodle. I don't think it was apparent to us just yep.
0: yet. Yeah, agreed.
1: But but don't but don't forget the doodle. Don't no,
3: forget the doodle. Keep your eyes on the doodle, whatever you do. Um, but we have jumped over just slightly uh, when uh, Sinclair goes to visit.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah. Uh, Candy has got slow and moody since she belted the fuck out of her boyfriend. Oh yeah, but was well, she always well,
1: like that I think way, mate? Candy's maybe. just returned to She's her, just her just returned, state of being okay. listlessness. But I do yeah. feel that there is a some. I'm just wondering to what extent is there also a small act of rebellion in that as well?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's just been cheeky.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, she's she's sent to um, to pick up Sinclair from the floor of the casino. The guys have got to tell her a couple of times, Candy. <laughs> um, but she spends an inordinate amount of time talking to Anthony Sinclair. Yeah, I was talking about the air conditioning. Yeah. How, <laughs> how lucky we are to have AC We're so and lucky. heating. <laughs> um, but you know, as she as she's talking to Anthony Sinclair, she's sort of gesturing around the the casino floor, probably not dissimilar to all the places where Mister Jackpots picked yeah. up his yeah. wins. Mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting there's a connection, but you know, that's kind of the only kind of thing I can think of. It certainly didn't look like a conversation about the weather.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. Unless she was showing where the vents were.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. The
0: um, I had a theory on uh on Candy Sandy and Mandy, um, is that there. Have, sorry, did I just actually talk about this where I think that they might actually just be savants and they're looking at the...
1: No, we talked about that off-air. Oh, we talked already. about
0: it off-air, that's right. So I've got this feeling because they always seem to be standing up against the wall. They can view all of the security monitors and all the stuff there. The the reason why we think they're just dumb, you know, oh, oh look, it's Candy and Sandy and Mandy. Uh, maybe they're just like Rain Man and they're just sitting there looking for card cheats and, they, wow, yeah. and they're just going to go, wait, table number 14, that guy. He put the thing, he put the ace up his sleeve. Um, maybe they're just there to sort of... Scan and see what's going and on And the
3: showgirl uniforms just to throw everyone off
0: Oh yeah, so that when they go down and finger the guy When they go down and just go like <laughs> Sorry? Uh, really? <laughs> sorry Is
3: that the punishment they made out in no, yeah, exactly,
0: yeah. Uh No, you know, when, when I say like Point the finger at the guy When they come down and go like You know, this is the guy This guy um, that it's, They don't draw attention to themselves right. They look like the waitress
3: Yeah
1: Yeah, I mean they kind of have that sort of look Of the gangster's mole Kind of Yeah You know, yeah. sort of persona Um, I don't think that's the craziest theory you've ever had, Phil, that they are actually highly observant. Um, That'd be lovely.
0: Trained spotters, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I think it would also be nice because, you know, typically women of this sort, and we sort of hear about it from, in terms of Candy's story about how she's, you know, she's got nowhere to go. Uh, Typically these sorts of women are portrayed as either sort of not being bright or have come from bad places or whatever. So it would be nice if they were empowered a little bit more.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm all for it.
1: Yeah. Um, we skipped
3: back in time just to talk about Candy and, and the girls, but uh, skipping back forward, uh, after the wonderful uh, camera movement to see the spotted elk or whatever it may be, yeah, yeah. we see Laura Palmer. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, in um, in Cole's Hotel, yes. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Quarter of a second. Now, no idea what it means yet, but bugger me if it wasn't really powerful for those couple of seconds. Oh yeah, it was God.
0: totally creepy, yeah, I know, right? The, is that the shot where she arrives on the orchid man's door? Is that is that where that's I from? I couldn't
3: or? pick it. I, um, I would guess it's from
0: Firewalk with Me. It is Fire with Me.
1: Yeah, okay. but I couldn't pick which scene it was.
0: I'm thinking yeah. it's um, yeah the flower guy, the hothouse pan.
1: Yeah, I think you may be right, yeah. Harold Smith. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Um, but it's it's obviously it's not Laura. It's it's Albert. But what that Im- what that implies now? Could it be um, the, the, the Laura spirit that was dispatched into the world in episode eight is making itself known again. Mm. Um, maybe it's letting her know, letting Cole know that, yeah, Laura Palmer is, is still closer in than, than, yeah, still in play. Uh, well, and Laura is the one, hence the title Laura of the episode. Laura is the one. Yep. Yep. Um, so, yeah, Log Lady and, uh, Gordon Cole's oh. visions seem to be in agreement at this stage. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've got no idea what that means. I, I mean, Albert's looks-
1: obviously aware that Cole has seen something or he's looked past his shoulder or something because when sort of Albert sort of looks around behind him just sort of say, well, What are you kinda of
3: looking mm-hmm. at kind of thing? So um yeah. And the other thing is would Gordon Cole as a character recognise Laura Palmer that easily? Uh, he's he would have seen the dead body. Um he oh, would have seen, seen some file eyes. photos, but photos. would you would you would he twig that quickly? I don't
1: know.
0: Dunno. Don't know. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's confused. Well,
1: maybe he hasn't. Maybe he. Maybe he just
0: saw a screaming girl in his doorway and just. that's, yeah. that's the thing. Like maybe maybe
1: he's not conscious that it's Laura. Or, yeah. I mean, I you know we've talked about this a few times. Is it? you've got to really sort of not overlay what you know, what we've been shown, onto the individual characters. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. Um, but Laura disappears and. Uh, Albert is there
1: with
0: some news. We learn a bit more about Diane. Oh, boy, do we learn about Diane. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: This is one that Sonia from uh, Facebook was keen to find out about as well. Finally, is this some sort of confirmation that Diane is not on the up and up, that Diane is somehow linked to Bad Cooper? Like, she's not – she's a bad operator. She's a baddie.
3: Yeah. Mm.
0: Because she responded to the text message? Yeah. In a highly encrypted message, which I can only assume that Albert was being –
3: facetious when he was saying that right.
0: um and the message was something like i
1: don't know i kind of took him a bit literally actually oh that it was actually highly he encrypt. was heavily I, encrypted, yeah,
3: yeah. I, I did that but i'd like the idea of <laughs>
1: facetious. I just, he, he didn't have his facetious face on at yeah. this time oh yeah. right. <laughs> I right i just thought he was being
0: sarcastic like and he sent a highly uh, encrypted message it said they have hastings and they're going to take him to the site so yeah or
1: he's going to take mm. them to the site
0: mm. yep
3: Maybe the encryption uh, just puts it in all caps and puts punctuation. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: you know, like it's. I was kind of. I liked this scene, and I like that Diane. I, I'm disappointed. If Diane's not on the up as I said last episode, I'll be a little bit disappointed. But I like that they're kind of going to go with this. Um, mm. But what I am was a bit more disappointed about was Albert making the. Observation that she seems to have a stable of male suitors. And I think I was disappointed about that because, yeah, she's got the sort of, you know, the, how was she described, she's like a cabaret half cabaret mm, singer, yeah, yeah. half something, I was right, half nun or whatever. Um, she's obviously, when Cole and Albert first see meet her, she is very closed, um, yeah. hostile even. She sees Bad Coop in prison, and we've talked, we've sort of debated about what, why was her, what was behind her reaction to that. I just, it just sort of felt a bit predictable and boring that you know this woman who's kind of had a bit of a checkered past mm. or checkered history today has a stable of male suitors around the place. It just felt a bit.
0: It does explain fitting. why she's drinking by herself in a platinum wig. Trying to really? Pick, up, pick up in a bar at
1: um... Was she trying oh. to pick up in a bar? I mean I drink by myself at bars from time to time. That doesn't mean I'm good at picking up.
3: I don't know. That's
0: why I I do. don't
1: know, that just feels <laughs> a bit misogynistic <laughs> and mansplainy to me. But I don't know,
3: I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean I, I have to admit I didn't even I, I, I didn't even register that listening yeah. to the episode. Maybe but, I'm just sensitive but to But no, it, absolutely. I mean it's it's a fair point, but then maybe also would say That's that's being spoken by a character who's a grumpy old man as well. Like, so he's not exactly. He's just been in line.
1: He's just had a lovely evening
3: with her. I don't don't know if we're yet to say that Albert's going to be the most progressive (laughs) (laughs) figure in. uh, I I I know. know. I
1: I I felt it was a little bit gratuitous, a little bit predictable, Uh, sorry, a little bit stereotypical, and I was a bit disappointed.
0: Um, Unless that um, the reason why she has so many of these young men coming through her life is that somehow they are. Her operatives, and but that it, she's running a ring, or she's running a, a spy ring, or a an organisation where she's got to keep in contact with all these agents and send off all these little text messages. Well, we did
1: speculate about who that guy was in the apartment when we first.
0: There we go. When yeah. we met him
1: for the second time.
0: He could be part of an alternate bookhouse boys. Any, sort of anyway, anyway, I just
3: I say go nuts. Have your stable of young suitors, yeah. like you know, go go Diane. Go Diane.
1: Great. I'm very glad that you're so progressive. It felt pejorative in in the way it was delivered, but I'm happy if others feel it's more
0: progressive. So there's there's a couple of really interesting things that come out of this. Number one, Diane definitely responded to the text message. Yeah. Number two, Bad Coop definitely knows about the glass box because we see one of the first photos when they're, I guess they're setting up the equipment.
1: Oh, yeah, that really... Awkward, weird sequence of Tammy walking in slow motion down the hotel <laughs> oh door. God. Everything she does is just wrong. Everything she does <laughs> so, is magic. So poor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just dreadful. Anyway, but yes, sorry, we we'll digress. She she has a photo. So Tammy seems to you know yeah. turn up with interesting props.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and yeah, so so Bad Cope is talking to someone in the glass box.
0: Yeah. Now we freeze frames that, and I couldn't. I don't think it's any of the existing characters that we've seen so far. No. So it could be a new one. It could be the person that we've been referring to as Philip Jeffries, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, and we had
1: a little bit, deba- a bit, bit of a debate about who it might be or what kind of person it might be. And I know I, when I saw what this chap was wearing, it looked to me like the same sort of FBI... Issue trench coat that yeah. Chet Desmond and Coop and, and Gordon Cole yep. have worn mm. earlier on. So I have assumed it was an FBI operative or a former FBI operative, but which would make you think that maybe it is or was Philip Jeffries.
0: Yeah, um, and in my first viewing, it looked a little bit like it looked a little bit like a monk in you know, a monk's uh, like a cloak or something like that. Also, it looks like his legs are crossed and he's sitting on a high stool
3: or something like that. So. Mm. My first, my first thought, or in fact, it wasn't my first, it was only when <laughs> I came in and saw it on freeze frame with you guys, um, is because he's clearly holding something. And yep. I think you called it a Jacob's Ladder. Um, Phil, that's oh, the, yeah. The electric thing where it goes... Bzzz, All the way bzzz, up to the top. Bzzz. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. But I, it, it reminded me very strongly of the little drawn uh, figure as part of the opening of every episode where it says, a Rancho Rosa production... There's a little doodled figure um, as part of that and I wondered if, if it could represent that somehow. Well, the folly that accompanies
1: that image is the crackling of electricity. Yeah, that's bunny. right. Yeah, and so, as
3: we know, you know, electricity is a very major part of, of what they're doing. So yeah. someone who's conducting electricity, it obviously is, is it, it conducive. Would, it's consistent with... the
1: uh, nice,
3: nice use of the conducive. Thank you. Ah, <laughs> conju- uh, uh-huh. nice.
1: <laughs> so um, but it wouldn't be inconsistent or, um, you know, out of... Sort of thing No For it no. to be that And then I think we Oh gosh Poor old Ben He was so good last week He You know He, he really wanted to bang Beverly But he just couldn't bring himself <laughs> to do it yeah. All it takes Is a bad discussion with Sylvia Horn, And I, I think we can now infer That they are separated Or well, they certainly don't live together Yeah We yeah. speculated about it last week But I think we kind of know now but, Yeah yeah, And, yeah, no, and yeah, there's yeah. lawyers involved There's and, lawyers
3: involved so yeah. And all the rest yeah. of it Nasty
1: um, <laughs> no. But yeah So he, so he, at the very least He's going to have dinner with Beverly
3: well, he asked.
1: The answer, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Put yeah. his hand
3: in
0: his Who knows?
1: Who knows what's what going to you know, happen? You right sure now. know how to
3: make a girl feel special, man. <laughs> 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 from out of <laughs> hands like that. Uh, you know, good uh, on him. Good on him. <laughs> like, find some happiness. Beverly <laughs> seemed interested in him as well. So yeah, she maybe. Did.
1: Well, her life is. And, shit. and, I mean, and he's later asking later. like a gentleman. Yeah. yeah.
3: If if a bit of a sad gentleman, but oh, yeah. sympathy, rude. And then we go on to. You're dreadful. Nasty. Um, We go into an eight and a half minute uh, song. No,
1: no, no. We've missed the log lady. We've missed Margaret. Oh my God! I'm sorry. How could you miss that?
3: How could I miss that? Absolutely. It's
1: it's you know again. Well, there's a cabin in the woods. It's night. It's it's clearly it's Margaret's cabin. She's talking to Hawk on the phone. Um, She hasn't done that for about eight parts. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's got two phones. Has anyone noticed that on her on her? not oh, stand there's actually two phones right, no. um, I'm not quite sure what the significance of that is but
0: just... Jade gives two phones
1: ja- yeah Margaret <laughs> gives two phones I think yeah. but she says um, you know, Hawk electricity is humming you hear it in the mountains and rivers you see it dance among the um, seas and stars and glowing around the moon but in these days the glow is dying what will be in the darkness that remains the Truman brothers are both true men they are your brothers, and the others, the good ones who have been with you. Now the circle is almost complete. Watch and listen to the dream of time and space. It all comes out now, flowing like a river. That would give and give not. Hawk, Laura is the one.
3: Mm.
1: There's a lot in there. That makes more
0: sense yeah. when you read it than when Margaret Lenneman reads it.
1: That's because, I don't know, who knows? Anyway, but, um, look, I think, well, first things first, is one is that I think we get a validation that, frank truman is a good guy yeah if you didn't feel that before or for those people who are so connected to harry you know yeah, yeah frank's a good guy fun. stick with you. Guys, yep. um the the guys who are your brothers and the others the good ones who have been with you i think is a reference to the Bookhouse boys it's yep. not yeah. just andy and you know yeah um and laura you know laura is the one the one what i whatever the one might be yeah
3: um definitely there's there's we've got no way of knowing what she means by Laura is the one yet. And that's obviously, that's the delight of this show. We could speculate all day and we'd probably be a million miles away from what it's going to be. But yeah. Uh, yeah. both of the Laura references, this episode I've loved. Uh, I do love it when, when this show still treats Laura Palmer, uh, not, not just who killed Laura Palmer anymore, but the essence of Laura Palmer yeah. as so central to the mythos of the show. Well,
1: You talked about that actually in part, in our part two podcast. Did I? You did. And um, so far, you know, I think that's really sort of played – you sort of speculated at this point that Laura would be the the anchor Mm. um, that holds this show together, notwithstanding where it goes in terms of geography and and time and and space, but it will all come back to Laura. So well done you. Well done Mm.
3: me. Um, Also, I found it interesting that she talked uh, that there was was a real emphasis given to the Truman Brothers um, because – it seemed it's I've, I've i really a couple of episodes we talked to, about how the Harry was was almost a little bit sloppy how they were trying to um, to shoehorn him into the yeah, episode. Right. Yeah. Oh, I hope you feel better, Harry. You're hanging up now. Yep. Yeah. But they they are talking about the Truman brothers. So maybe the the character of Harry Truman, even if Ant-Kane isn't part of the show, Mo doesn't. If, yeah. if Mo ain't part of it, maybe Mo's still got uh, yeah. a role to play. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, You know, this feels like a lovely, this scene feels like a very nice bookend to um part two where Margaret talks about the stars turn and the time presents itself. So I don't know if we'll see Margaret again, but I kind of feel like her job here is now done. Yeah, yeah.
0: She is, she is a Harbing, Harbing, harbinger? Harbinger? Harbinger. Harbinger of. I've been saying harbinger
3: my whole life. It's been, it's I could harbinger, be wrong. Damn it. No, no, no. I'm. I'm
0: Anyway, sure. she is a, she's an omen of uh, of uh, of what is to come. There's some sort of mythical, mystical thing that's going to happen. We're going to have the resolution of opposites: that which is and that which is not, the conf, you know, the confluence of male and female, the sun and the moon, the creative and the destructive, the
1: the duality, that's the duality, of, Uh recurrent. And to say that
0: Laura is the one. Normally, in uh, in mythology and mysticism, we talk about if someone is the one, they're they're removing the differences between male and female there. You know, when, when people that meditate uh, talk about saying, I just feel one with everything and you realize that I'm not different to you and you're not different from the trees and the rocks and the whatever, like the idea that we see ourselves as individuals and ego has wrapped us up in this idea that we are this and there's this thing called the other and it doesn't belong to us and we don't have to relate to it or deal with it. Uh, But many religions, particularly the mystic side, like, Um, Sufi Islam or um, any of the Gnostic Christian stuff a lot talk about the idea that we should be trying to remove the distinctions between good and evil and right and wrong and left and right male and female and see things as a continuum as a whole as a one Laura is the one the the one thing that actually is going to combine these things together
1: yeah I, I, I think that's probably a fair observation
3: is, is that the same for the Eddie Murphy character in The Golden Child? Yeah. <laughs> He's the one as well. True. So.
1: What I love about this scene is that Hook does not say a word. Mm. He's contemplating what she's saying. It, you know, Margaret is really given space to, yeah. to say what she has to say.
3: I hope he was actually there and listening and it's not just like <laughs> he's not, Yeah, I was he's <laughs> gonna, listening to a, a message that
1: <laughs> This is
3: hard to leave a message. <laughs> um,
1: um, it's, the, it's a night with a crescent moon. Yeah. Yes. And we um we go back to the bang bang bar and every time we go back to the bar I keep thinking, Oh, maybe we'll see some old some Twin Peaks favourites but um we're disappointed again on that front and we have uh, a song that I think is kind of... Actually, the internet has reacted to quite... I'm sort sure of probably more so than a lot of the other songs that have... In
0: been. a good way or a bad way?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I think each of you have... Well, I don't know if you've got a view, Linda, but I know, Phil, you definitely have a reaction to this song. It. I didn't hate... I'm
0: sorry.
3: Yeah, I it's I definitely, don't really have a view.
1: I, yeah. So. Well,
0: when I say I hate it, it is the worst song that we've seen in Twin Peaks so far. Um... That's not to say that it's a bad song, but it's worse compared to every other song that we've hit. I it's feel so far. it's the song opinion.
1: that has the closest connection to what we have seen throughout the episode, if you sort of go through the lyrics and no stars. Yeah. But as a song or as a standalone piece of, of art, uh, I think it's overindulgent and just went on for way too long. Doesn't
0: that, doesn't yeah. There doesn't seem to be any structure to it. There's no rhyme or reason to it. I couldn't pick any verse, chorus or... Oh, uh, there, was... uh,
1: there kind of is, but yeah. I mean, you know.
3: What I got from it was um and this was probably about the five and a half minute out of the seven minute mark of how long the song took. But uh in a in a show where there is clearly so much room given to music and to having a performance, why the fuck didn't David Lynch just have Krista Bell Perform at the Bang Bang Bar instead of casting her as Tammy Preston. Oh, she could have had a couple she of songs. May, yeah, she maybe may she may her, still will. She may Karaoke still time. turn
1: up. At, you know, we've still why, got another. Why not, we have to see times, her try times. and
3: act week in week out? I've I've tried to be fair. I've tried to give her a chance. She's not doing it.
1: There's also another part of me that says that you know David Lynch is a very accomplished artist. He's a wonderful visual artist. He's clearly an incredible film director. He's probably got to stop writing music.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's got his blind spots. He's just going to do do where the muse takes him. And sometimes that might be writing music. And sometimes it might be casting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we all react. But I'd offer yeah. the cat to Moby in a in a cameo. <laughs>
3: yeah. I couldn't where where was Moby? Which one was he? He was the guitar
0: player. He's the guitarist. Oh, sweet.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, he he and the drummer obviously got the two for one specsavers savers yeah. deal. <laughs>
0: Uh, no. So,
1: but summing up, I mean, how did you feel that this um, this part worked? Did it did it work? Did it sort of push your buttons? What do you think?
0: The what the music you mean? Or no, the, the whole the whole, the, the whole. Oh, the, the part, part as a whole was fantastic. I I really loved it. I think I loved it more than parts seven and nine. So seven and nine were quite detectivey and procedurally yeah. uh, based, but I think and this one was still pretty plot but plot heavy. But the plot stuff that happened was really important stuff. Richard Horn has just killed Miriam. Who was probably involved in his drug thing?
1: Yes, but just
0: uh, just went one step too far. Well, we don't know, right? So
1: was Miriam Sullivan or Miriam Hodges? Yeah.
0: Uh, Oh, there you go. Uh, We found out that thanks to you, we found out that Diane might not be all that she seems, um, and we've found yet another. Connection of Dougie to the Mitchum brothers. So I think there was a lot and, of really and yet another
1: funny... attempted to, to get rid of him from the face of the earth.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just one oh, really quick we'll thing. Just J A fucking him to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God. Um, just one quick thing. Um, just to follow up from someone on the internet, someone from Twitter this time, James Giles eighty four. Big shout out to James hey Giles eighty four. Hey James, 84. how you going? Yeah, hey, he's, hi James. He's dropped again. Like people are bringing the internet to us now. That's where we're at the centre of the sweet centre of the universe here now, <laughs> aren't we? He was noticed that. So on the message that. Uh, Major Briggs yep. rolls up into the little tube and then 25 the ti- years later mini the little capsule time thing. capsule thing yep. and it comes out and the paper it says Cooper Cooper Coo what's the last thing that Briggs says before he dies in the Cooper Cooper as he as he as yeah. he's saying Whoa. Cooper Cooper is he sending that message to himself now he probably is 25 year old yeah, the, the the self from twenty five yeah, years ago. Yeah, his forty
1: something year old self. He's
0: just he's on a, listening on a wireless on a ham radio somewhere picking up someone saying. Well, Cooper, we, Cooper, we
3: saw that moment. We saw that. Yeah, we did. Come in to Cooper Cooper and say, posted, yeah. yeah, we've um, we just get space junk and now, and now space junk some... has said Cooper, Cooper, Cooper.
0: Yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, but that's Cooper. the last thing that this good, is
1: good pickup. James. James Giles, eighty four, awesome. on
0: Twitter. That's a cracker, James. Love yeah, it. he is. He's doing a, one of those... It's the classic time travel, time loop thing, like Looper or... Um, what's yeah. the, the other space one where they go out yeah. in space yeah. gravity? Not gravity. What's the other one? Interstellar. Yeah. yeah. Where you're actually yeah. sending messages back to your past self and all that stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think... Uh, like, I reckon that's a, that's a great theory because um, I do feel like the, the, the Major Briggs... Um, you know, the, the every everything he's been doing, his head has been communicating. So yeah. the Cooper Cooper story, mm. um, that uh, that Hastings told, the floating in space yeah. and saying "Blue Rose," yeah. like he's he's trying to communicate across the void. Yeah. Um, and I think that'd be fantastic if they're structured in a way where he communicates across the void to himself and through himself to his son. Yeah. I, th-
1: I think James has cracked it on that front.
3: Yeah. 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 Absolutely, James. You're always cool. <laughs> <laughs> on that cheery note we should
0: probably wrap things up thanks so much for listening see you later bye bye
3: guys <laughs> see you c-
0: you've been listening to damn fine commentary with Dave and Lynch for the complete list of show notes and all the links visit our website daveandlynch.com and if you like the show there's two things you can do to really help us out
1: first tell all your friends and second take a few seconds to rate us on iTunes it makes a huge difference and helps other people find us
0: Look, did we miss anything? Do you have a comment, a question or a suggestion? Drop us a line at daveandlynch at gmail.com or you can follow us on your social media of choice. We're at twitter.com slash daveandlynch, facebook.com slash daveandlynch, instagram.com slash (laughs) daveandlynch.
1: Yep, you get the picture. We're everywhere. Thanks for listening.